Stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of Acts chapter number 9. How many of you remember last Sunday me telling the story about uh, a New Year's uh, Eve service uh, where I said, um, uh, is there something in your life that you do not want to bring in to the new year? You want to leave in the old year. Remember that story? Do you remember it? Remember I told you and then I, one lady came down and she said she smoked and she didn't want to bring that into the new year. And I said, all right, we're going to pray for you that you'll quit smoking. And so, and so, uh, uh, so then I kind of got a check in my spirit. I said, you know what, folks? I said, I've never smoked in my life. And uh, so I don't understand that addiction. So I want somebody who has smoked before to pray uh, for, for you because they'll understand. They'll be able to pray uh, like I'll not be able to pray. And I said, anybody out here uh, used to smoke and you don't smoke anymore? Well, a man uh, raised his hand. I said, uh, Don, uh, I said, come down here. I want you to, to pray uh, for, uh, for this lady that uh, uh, she'll quit smoking. And uh, so I had the, had the, you know, the microphone, and, and I was doing, you know, the, the, the evangelist thing, you know, the interview type thing, you know. And I said, uh, so Don, I said, how did you go uh, from smoking to not smoking? Uh, he said, uh, I started dipping. <laughs> I said, Don Thompson, that was not the... That was not the answer I was looking for. I said, you pray for her to quit smoking, and when you're done, I'm going to pray for you to quit dipping. So he prayed for her to quit smoking, and so I prayed for him to quit dipping. The next Sunday morning, Don Thompson comes walking in the, into the church, and he says, I don't know about this church. He said, you get delivered whether you want to be delivered or not. He said, I didn't want to be delivered. I enjoyed my little pinch between your cheek and gum. And he said, I tried to dip after that, and it made me sick. And they said, you get delivered around here whether you want to or not. That man is sitting right there this morning. (laughs) They surprised us this morning. Don and Vi Thompson from Midland, Texas. They were in our church, Harvest Time Church. Uh, that, we, that we planted there 25 years ago and served with us in church. Some of our best friends, we love these people. They are such a blessing and was such an asset to us while we were there. And they have blessed us today. They're in, in, in the Metroplex this weekend, and they came to church today. Would you make our friends welcome, Don and Vi? Amen. I told him I talked about him last Sunday. He said, well, don't embarrass me today. So I didn't embarrass him. I just, I would never do that to you, Don. Never, ever. Amen. All right. Hey, the book of Acts this morning, chapter number 9. The book of Acts, chapter number 9. We're going to begin reading with verse number 23. The Bible says, now after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul. And they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down through a wall in a large basket. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the the apostles. And he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road. And that he had spoken to him and how he had uh, preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists. But they attempted to kill him. When the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out 
to Tarsus. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the, com- and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Now it came to pass, as Peter went through all parts of the country, that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. There he found a certain man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he arose immediately, and all who dwelt at Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. At Joppa there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room. And all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. So it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon a tanner. Father, I just thank you once again for your incredible and your infallible word. God, once again, we pray the anointing of the Holy Spirit will rest upon the message, the messenger. God, I pray you'll give us words we've never spoken before, words that will resonate within the heart of the people. God, give us ears to hear your word, and God, may we not only be hearers, but may we leave here doers of your word, put in practice, Lord, that which we receive and we learn today, all for your glory we ask in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, we are in a series I'm calling Take Action. We have been taking a journey through the book of Acts, which is an action-packed book. Now, I've already said that after today's sermon, we're going to put this series on pause for a few weeks, and we're going to focus on the family, with school starting back. Uh, I, I thought it would be good to do a series on the family. I'm calling this series Home Improvement. How many believe that our homes can use some improvement? And we're going to talk about how to improve our marriages, how to improve our finances, how to improve our parenting skills, and some other things as God leads us. Once again, I challenge you, if you know someone that is struggling in some of these areas, to invite them and encourage them to come. Hopefully, they will find something that will help them and bless them uh, in their family. We'll return to the book of Acts uh, at a later time as the Lord Well, today we find ourselves in chapter 9 and verses 23 through 43. There are three things, as I look through this, there are many, many more things, but but there are three things that grab my attention. There are three things that I want to focus on and call your attention today as it relates to these verses we've read this morning. The first one is this, just because you do what's right doesn't mean you won't be treated wrong. How many agree with that this morning? Just because you do what's right doesn't mean you won't be treated 
Rome. Saul had experienced a supernatural encounter with God on the road to Damascus. The Bible says that God totally changed him and turned him around. You will see that the church that he previously persecuted, he now promoted. And the Christians he once imprisoned, he now embraced. And the message he formerly criticized, he now cherished. I don't know, but Saul had perhaps the greatest turnaround in the history of Christianity. As adamantly as he had opposed the message of Christ and Christianity, equally he advanced the message after his conversion. But just because you do what's right doesn't necessarily mean you won't be treated wrong. And it tells us that in verse number 23, it says, after many days had gone by, the Jews conspired to kill him. I want to suggest two different groups of people who, although you are doing what's right, might still treat you wrong. And the first group of people is your enemies, your enemies. And everyone has enemies. Everyone has it. Now, you may not know uh, that you do. You may not know who they are. But I promise you, it is, it is the devil's business to see to it that everybody has enemies. I'll never forget many years ago as I was standing uh, by a graveside, a man came and stood by me, a man that did not attend my church. He attended another church across town. And, and this man came up to me and he said to me, he said, he said, I need to apologize to you. And I said, you need to apologize to me. I said, sir, you don't even know me. You don't even know me. He said, I need to apologize to you. He says, he said, you see, he said, I have hated you for five years. Isn't that nice to hear? Don't you just love it when you hear those kind of, he said, I have hated you for five years. He he said, when you first came to town, he said, some people told me some things about you. And he said, I have been watching you. He said, I have watched you for the last five years. And he said, you are nothing like what you, what they said you were. He said, I listened to their lies. And he said, I want you to know I'm sorry. See, just because you do what's right doesn't mean you won't be treated wrong. I cannot tell you how many times I've been brought into the middle of, of someone else's trouble, somebody else's problem, and they've brought me in on it, and I've been the, the go-between, and I've been the person in the middle, and I can't tell you how many times I've been brought into the middle of somebody else's trouble, and before it was all said and done, and before it was all over, I got shot at by both sides. I'll never forget, in the middle of the night, I got a call from one of the ladies in my church years ago. And she said, Pastor, can you please come out to our house? I'm afraid my husband is going to kill our son. Now, you think pastoring is all pastor appreciation and fried chicken and sleeping late, but it's not. And I want to tell you that, that these two men, this father and this son, they were both short and stocky, and they were both, they were, they were both as strong as a bull. In fact, they were both professional bull riders. Both professional. They were like steel. 
And, 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 and here I was, about 165 pounds, soaking wet uh, in, in those days. And, and I'll never forget, I had to stand in the middle. I had to stand in the middle between a, a father who was about to kill his own, his own son. And it was only the, only the respect and the love that this man had for his pastors, the only thing that saved my life. I want to tell you, he could have just thumped me and I'd have been knocked across the room. That's, I'm telling you, this guy was, this guy was, this guy was tough. I'll never forget, I got a call one time from a lady in the church, and she said, you know, she said, I, I'm afraid my husband's going to beat me, or my husband's going to, you know, I, can you come? I've got this domestic issue, and I, and, I, and I, listen, 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 often, often I've been, I've been brought in the middle many, many times, and before it was all over, and all said and done, got shot at by both sides. How many, how many of you understand what I'm talking about? Just because you do what's right doesn't mean you, will always be, you won't be treated wrong. Jesus was the Son of God. He became the Son of Man. The Bible says that Jesus laid aside his royal robe and put upon himself the robe of flesh. The Bible says that he came to earth to save man. And yet the Bible says that the very people that Jesus came to save, the Bible says that they rejected him. The Bible says they spat on him. The Bible says they whipped him. The Bible says they slapped him. The Bible says they nailed him to the cross and they crucified him just because you do what's right doesn't mean you won't be treated wrong by your enemies not just your enemies and you can understand and even expect that to happen but also sometimes by your allies by your allies you find that in verse number 26 we already read it so I'm not going to reread it this morning here Saul is trying to become an asset to the early church, and yet he is being treated as if he is a liability. Let me ask you this this morning. Have you ever been rejected? Have you ever been mistreated by people who should be on your side? People you ought to be able to count on? People that ought to have your back? People that ought to be before you? Have you? I have. I have. I'll, I'll never forget going to a certain city to plant a church. And, and it was my dream. It was my vision. It was my passion. It was my, it was my God-called mission. And I was, I was so excited, man. I was so excited about what God had put in my heart as well as scared. I don't know. Maybe I was young and naive, but, but somehow I expected my fellow pastors of other churches to be supportive or at least to be accepting of me. They were not. I won't go into detail, but it wasn't pretty. I later said to somebody, I said, you know, I said, I knew I was going to have to fight the devil in this process, but I didn't know I was going to have to fight my brothers also. See, just because you do what's right doesn't mean you won't be treated wrong. And not just by your enemies, but sometimes by your allies. Sometimes for the, by those that, that maybe your own family members are, or, or people in your own circle are, people that ought to be bef- before you and people that ought to be supporting you. I want to pause for just a moment and do a little teaching. I want to talk a little bit about how to handle unfair treatment. How many know we're going to be treated unfairly? We're going to be treated unfairly. So I want, to, I want to see what the Bible says. Do just a little bit, a couple of moments here of teaching on how we should handle unfair treatment. Well, let me tell you, number one, we should handle unfair treatment with unconditional love. Say unconditional. Unconditional. Jesus said, Jesus said in Luke chapter number 6, 
verses 27 and 28. Jesus said, but I say to you, you, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. True, genuine love is unconditional. The Bible talks about love, and in the Bible there are three Greek words that are used for love. And one of the Greek words for love is the word agape. Agape. And agape love is that God kind and God quality of love. Or agape love is when we love like God Loves. How many understand that God's love is not based on who we are, but on who he is? God's love, agape, that God kind and God quality of love, it's based upon who God is and God, the way God loves. God doesn't love you because of who you are. God loves you because of who he is. The Bible says that God is love. So how do we handle unfair treatment? Well, we, we handle it with agape love. We handle it with unconditional love. Love that loves in spite of the way you are being treated. I call it Timex love. It takes a licking and keeps on ticking. But not only should you handle, not only should we handle unfair treatment with unconditional love, but also with unmerited kindness. Unmerited kindness. Say unmerited. The Bible says, Jesus says in Matthew chapter number 5 and verse 38 and 39. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Well, I go for that. Wouldn't you? I'd go for that. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Jesus said, you've heard that. But Jesus, as I tell you, not to resist an evil person. Jesus said, but whoever slapped you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. Watch you talking about Willis. <laughs> Jesus said, if somebody slaps you on this side, that you are to turn your cheek and offer them the other side for them to slap. Now, I know I'm talking to a bunch of saints here today, but listen, I don't claim to be a saint, and I want to tell you I've never reached that point yet. I'm going to tell you something. If you slap me on the right, right, if you slap me on the right side of my face, I'm going to tell you one of two things is going to happen. Either I'm going to slap you right back or I'm going to run. <laughs> Depends on how big you are. Oh, you're so spiritual. Oh, I just know you just... Uh, Throw your other cheek over and just say, have at it. Well, listen, that's what Jesus said, and, and that's what we ought to strive for. But I don't know about you, I ain't got there yet. Amen. If you think you're there, come on down here, we'll try it out. <laughs> well, I've never had anybody slap me on the right side and turn the other side, but I will tell you, I've had people slap me with words before. And I don't bat a thousand, but I want to tell you that sometimes, that many times, most often, I'm very careful with what I come back with. Amen. So that's the same thing, right? Whether they're slapping you physically or slapping you with words. Sometimes it's, you know, words are even worse than, I don't know though, I don't like anybody slapping me. Let me know what I'm talking about this morning. Are we on the same page? Amen. You know, most of us want to rewrite the golden rule. Uh, and if we rewrote the golden rule, we would rewrite it to read something like this, do unto others as they 
do unto you. Or do unto others before they do it unto you. (laughs) I could go for that one. How about you? (laughs) But the golden rule actually says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Or in other words, treat others the way you want to be treated. Now listen, I can't speak for you, but sometimes I need people to treat me with unmerited kindness. Unmerited kindness. Sometimes I need, I need people to cut me some slack. Sometimes I need people to give me some grace. Sometimes I need to, them to allow me to have a bad day. I'm not talking about having a bad day every day, but every once in a while I need, to let people to, I need people to allow me just to be human and, and don't judge me by that one bad thing I did or that one bad thing I said. Well, if I want that for me, then I should be willing to offer this to somebody else. What is the godly way of handling unfair treatment? Number one, with unconditional love. Number two, with unmerited kindness. And number three, with unbiased, unbiased rewards. See, sometimes we reward people based on how they treat us, not on the actual merit of the reward. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 27 says, Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to give it. But see, the problem is too many people operate from the premise, you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. They, They operate on the premise, you do this for me, and if you do this for me, then I'll do that for you. And they operate this way even if someone else is more qualified, even if someone else is more deserving. How should we handle unfair treatment with unbiased rewards? Rewards based on merit, not based on who has kissed up to us the most. Three things I want to talk about today based on the scripture that we read a moment ago. The first one is this, just because you do what's right doesn't mean you won't be treated wrong. And the second thing that I find in our scripture today is this, if you keep doing right, say keep doing right. If you keep doing right, God will eventually vindicate you. You'll find that in verses 27 through 30. I want to tell you that God rewards right living. God rewards right living. And scripture is filled with promise after promise after promise of reward to those who consistently do what's right. Now, some people are inconsistent with their good deeds. You know, they'll do it once every three times or every once in a while. Some people say tithing doesn't work for me. Well, you don't work tithing because it ain't tithing when you do it once a year or three times a year. Hello? But God rewards right living, and Scripture is filled with promises of reward to those who consistently do what's right. Now listen, that doesn't mean there won't be hardship or struggle or unfair treatment. We already talked about that a moment ago. But in time, God's time, if you keep doing right, God will eventually vindicate you. There's two things that God will do for us. And I'm excited about them, and I want to share them with you today. Number one, God will place people with influence in your life. God will place people with influence in your life. He did it for Saul. That man's name 
was Barnabas. You'll find him mentioned in verse number 27. Now, we need to understand that, that Barnabas means son of encouragement. So evidently, Barnabas was a pastor, Sean. Everybody loved Barnabas. He was a people person. He was an encourager. And everybody loves a Sean. Everybody loves an encourager. Barnabas had influence, and he used his influence to endorse and promote Saul, who was having a hard time being accepted by the leaders of the early church. And because of Barnabas' influence, Saul was eventually accepted, he was eventually embraced, eventually brought on as a brother, and even became the leader of the, of the early church. God will place people with influence in your life. People that can unlock doors that, that have been shut for you. Doors that you cannot seem to get open no matter how hard you try. But in time, God will pay, place people of influence in your life. And those people of influence will be able to unlock a door that you were never able to unlock. Saul was not able to unlock the door to be accepted by the other apostles. But God gave him a man by the name of Barnabas who, had a, uh, who was an encourager who everybody liked and respected. And God used the influence of this man named Barnabas to open the door for the man named Saul who later became the apostle Paul. And if God did that for him, he can do that for you and he can do that for me. Amen? If you keep doing, if you keep doing right, God will eventually vindicate you. But not only will he place people in your life with influence, but also God will give you intuition. God will give you intuition as to what to do. This happened to Saul. You find that in verses 28 through 30. Let me, let me talk here just a little bit this morning. What I'm about to talk about is worth the price of admission this morning. So listen up this morning. Sometimes you speak up and sometimes you stay silent. Sometimes you speak up and sometimes you stay silent. Let me, I'm talking about battles now. Right now I'm going to talk a little bit about battles. And all of us have battles to fight. All of us have battles that we're confronted with all the time in our life. Sometimes you speak up, sometimes you stay silent. Some battles you fight, and some you refuse to fight. I said some battles you fight, and some battles you refuse to fight. And sometimes you stay and press the issue, and sometimes you move on. And this is really good for marriages, too. We could talk about marriage right here, but I'm going to do that next Sunday. But, but how many know you don't fight? You know, some battles you fight and some battles you refuse to fight. Amen? Sometimes you speak up and sometimes you shut up. Amen? Or you should. Amen? Sometimes you press the issue and sometimes you just move on. Jesus said in Luke chapter 14 and verse 31, Jesus said you don't go to war before first you sit down and count the cost. And I'm going to encourage somebody. Somebody needs to hear this today. Before you go into battle, before you fight that battle, before you go to war, first of all, you sit down and you count the cost. Let me, let me say some things about the battle this morning real quickly. Number one, don't fight every battle. Don't fight every battle. Every battle doesn't need to be fought. And here's why. Because battles are costly. Battles are costly. It costs to go to battle. I wonder how much money our country has spent in battle over the years. Don't go to battle. In a, don't, go, don't fight every battle because battles are costly. Don't fight every battle because people always get hurt in battle. Yeah. 
People always get hurt. It doesn't matter who wins. No matter who wins, people always get hurt in battle. Don't fight every battle. Because not only do people get hurt in battle, but even more than that, there are casualties in every battle. In every single battle, there are casualties. I'm going to tell you something. I used to fight battles. I don't fight them anymore. A lot of battles I don't fight. I used to fight. When I was young in the ministry, young and dumb and young and learning my way, I thought, you know, I've got to fight this battle. I've got to fight this battle. Sometimes my staff wants me to fight battles. I'm not going to fight that battle. I'm not going to fight that battle. I'll fight the battles that need to be fought. I'm not going to fight every battle. Here's another reason why you don't fight every battle, and that is innocent people get hurt. Innocent people get, just like when I was standing, I was standing right in between that man and his son, and both of them were livid, both of them were blood red in the face, they were, their fists were clenched, and I stood in between them, and I very well easily could have been sent into eternity that day, or that night. Amen. Innocent people get hurt. And let me tell you this, sometimes the wounds you receive in the battle are worse than the wound that caused you to decide to do battle in the first place. Think about that. Only fight battles you're willing to die for. And don't fight a battle you can't win. And I'll tell you, some battles you might win, but you still don't win. Here's what I really want you to hear this morning. God will give you intuition. God will give you intuition as what to do and what not to do. Let me ask you this this morning. Have you ever had, have you ever had that voice on the inside of you say, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't go there. I wouldn't do that. But you did it anyway. And if you did, how did that work out for you? Uh-huh. That's what I thought. Here's what I've come to know. If you keep doing right, God will eventually vindicate you. And two of the ways that he does this is by placing people of influence in our life to go to battle for us and by giving us intuition as to what to do and what not to do. That takes us up to point number three this morning. Third thing that I find in our passage of Scripture is this. That is, people behind the scenes are valuable to the kingdom. People behind the scenes are valuable to the kingdom. And we see this in verses 36 through 42. A female disciple by the name of Dorcas. The Bible says that she died. Now, although this lady named Dorcas, although she wasn't some superstar preacher in the pulpit, yet she was dearly loved by everybody that knew her. And she was very, very well known, but she wasn't known for what she did in the spotlight, but she was known for what she did behind the scenes. The Bible said that she sewed clothing for the poor. The Bible says that she was always doing good things and always doing good deeds for people in need. She had the ministry gift the Bible calls the gift of helps. See, God calls some people to do the certain ministry, but then he calls some people to help that person get the ministry done. It's called the ministry of helps. And Dorcas had the ministry of 
helps. She was so valuable to the church that they didn't think they could go on without her. And so, and so when she died, they sent an urgent request for Peter, the head honcho of the church at the time, to come and raise her from the dead. And that's exactly what Peter did. Here's what you and I can learn from this, and that is people behind the scenes are valuable to the kingdom. Remember the story of Mary and Martha? Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Remember they were, they were there in the house and, 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 and Jesus, uh, Jesus was ministering and Mary was at his feet listening to his every word and worshiping and, 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 and there before Jesus and Ma- her sister Martha was in the kitchen um, preparing a meal. Uh, two sisters who had different ministry gifts. Mary was a worshiper. Martha was a worker. Mary was seen out front. Martha worked behind the scenes. Now, usually when they preach about Mary and Martha, Mary is usually praised and Martha is usually criticized. I don't see it that way. I don't preach it that way. Here's what I know. I know both are needed and both are Important. I thank God for my Marys and I thank God for my Marthas. I thank God for my worshipers and I thank God for my workers. And I don't know, but I'm pretty sure even Jesus was happy that Martha cooked dinner and they had something good to eat after the worship service was over. Here's what I've noticed over the last 44 years. Usually the cook doesn't need to sing and usually the singer doesn't need to cook. I want to make two statements and then I'll close this morning. The first statement is this. You don't have to be on the platform to have a ministry. You don't have to be on on the platform to have a ministry. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 through 8. The Bible says, in His grace, God has given us different gifts. He's given us what kind of gifts? We've all got the same kind of gifts? No, God has given us different gifts. He gave Martha different gifts than he gave Mary. He gave Mary different gifts than he gave Martha. God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. The Bible says that we can do everything well, right? Right? No. No. The Bible says God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. I don't do everything well, but there's one or two things that I can do pretty well. You don't do everything well, but there's one or two things that you can do well. Amen. We're bringing on Landon because there's some things that we need done. Man, he's going to excel. Man, behind the scenes, man. I mean, he's going to do awesome. He's going to be an incredible asset and blessing to us. His gifts are different than Sean's, than Chris's, than, than, than Chris's, and Pam's, than who am I, than Dawn's, than mine, than anybody else on my staff. That I forgot to mention. And Clay. Oh, now he knows. Clay, he's, yeah. No. I, I pumped him up in the last service. I'll put him down in this one. Amen. <laughs> kind of keep him level. Amen. All right, let's read it. So God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, then speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift, say your gift. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. You know, my best teachers are not my best worshipers. My best worshipers are not my best teachers. My best servers are not my best speakers. My best speakers are not my best workers. 
we all have a place, right? Amen. We all have a place. If your gift is serving, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraged. Don't criticize people because of their lack of gifts. They have gifts. Focus on the gifts they have and encourage them for the gifts they have instead of picking on them for the gifts you wish they had that they don't have. Woo, that's good. Oh, man, that's good. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. You don't have to be on the platform to have a ministry. The next statement I want to make this morning is this, and that is you can use your gifts to make platform ministers more effective. You can use your gifts to make platform ministers more effective. You know, it's football season now, all right? Just about to go Cowboys. Let's hear it for the Cowboys this morning. Come on, cheer now while you can. Let me tell you what I know about football. No matter how talented a quarterback or a running back is, if his linemen don't block for him, the best he'll ever do is average. He could be All-American in college. You put him on a pro team, he doesn't have anybody backing up, anybody blocking for him. He's not going to be a superstar. Hello? And listen, listen, here's what also I know, and that is the linemen will never, never get the credit, they'll never get the glory, and they'll never get the salary that the quarterback or the running back receives, but they play a major role in the success of their quarterback and their running back and their team. I'm telling you that people behind the scenes are valuable, and people behind the scenes are valuable to the kingdom. And so this morning, I want to I stand here this morning, I want to publicly say thank you. I want to stand here this morning. I want to publicly say thank you for those of you that are blocking for me. Because if you wasn't blocking for me, I couldn't run with the ball. Actually, these days, I'm doing more passing the ball than I am running with the ball. Amen. It's wonderful. I love passing that ball. (laughs) The ball I've carried for 44 years, I can pass it to somebody else now. It's wonderful. I'm still working, still working hard, but I'm really loving passing the ball. I didn't say pass the buck. I said pass the ball. I want to publicly say thank you to my staff. I want to say thank you to my deacons. I want to say thank you to my care ministries. I want to say thank you to every single volunteer. Listen, whether you, whether you direct traffic in the parking lot, whether you greet people at the front door, whether you serve coffee at the car, coffee bar, whether you serve on the worship team or you teach a class or you work with kids or you work with Caleb's or you work in the care ministry or the outreach ministry or you work with youth or, or you work with this or that or something else to every single volunteer, whether your ministry is on stage or by behind the scenes. I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you because I know this morning, I know this morning, amen, that this church will only go as far. We'll only go as far. We'll only score as many touchdowns as I've got people blocking for me. I can only run as good and I can only pass as good and I can only be as good, amen, as those linemen and those line women that are are on the front lines that are out there every single day that are blocking for me so that I can run with the ball. I want to say thank you and I want you to understand that you are valuable. You are loved. Amen. God can use you in your in the capacity He's given you. People behind the scenes are valuable to the kingdom. Give yourself a hand this morning. Our takeaway for the day is this: It's never right to do wrong. It's never right to do wrong. People are going to hurt us. People are going to 
say things. People are going to lie about us. People lie about me. People lie about you. I'm not singing the blues. I'm not that kind of pastor. But I'm telling you, you know, listen, listen, it's still never right to do wrong. It's never right to pay back vengeance, you know. Vengeance. We do it with love. We do it with that agape, God kind, God quality of love. The only way we can do that is through that agape love, God loving through us. It's never right to do wrong. Second takeaway for today is God will eventually right every wrong. God will eventually right every wrong. He may or may not do it in your lifetime, but eventually he will. Abraham looked for a city whose foundations and uh, whose builder and maker was God. He never found that city. He never found that city in this life, but he found it in the life to come. It may be this life, it may be the next life, but God will eventually right every wrong. And the third takeaway for today is this. God has given every person individual gifts to do ministry with. That's true. And I just, you know, I'm just, I just, I didn't even say this in the first service. I don't know why, but it's just in my heart to say this again, to say this again this morning. You know, sometimes we look at somebody and we say, well, I wish there's more like this or that or something else. That's not the way God made them. Not the way that God made them. Some of us are out front people, and some people are, some of us are backseat people, but we're all God's people. We all have a place. Amen? We all have a place. And so instead of, you know, fretting over the things that we can't do, let's find those things that we can do, and let's let God help us excel in those one or two things that we can do. And when we look at one another and we see the faults in someone else, we also need to say, you know, but look at, look at the positive side. Look at that thing. Look at these positive things in their life. Well, they could be doing this for the church. Yeah, they could. But look what they're doing over here. And man, what they're doing over here. Somebody else can do that over there, but nobody else can do that over, them like they, over there like they can do it. Amen? God has given every person individual gifts to do ministry with. My question is, what are you doing with yours? What are you doing with yours? Would you stand with me in the presence of the Lord this morning? Father, I thank you for your word today. God, thank you for the word of God. God, it is powerful. God, it is life-changing. God, we can let this go in one end out the other, or God, we can, we can apply the word that we received today. And it can totally change our life. God, speak to our hearts today. God, speak to our hearts today through your word. Help us, oh God, to be everything you've called us to be. In Jesus' name.